The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking about a new epidemic. No, it's not a new virus or a bacterium, and no new bug. Well, I guess you could say it's a bug. Gold diggers, that is the new epidemic. I mean, in a sense, bad girls is the new epidemic, too. But particularly gold diggers, in our uh, poor economic times, there seems to be a flourishing of gold diggers. Um, now, as, as people who have been listening to this show for a while know, <laughs> Ad nauseum. Um, my latest book is Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them, and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. And I talk about the dozen dangerous damsels, and of course, one of the types, the first one I talk about, in fact, is the gold digger. And just like all bad girls uh, have a dysfunctional relationship with their father that makes them feel unlovable and that sets them down the path starts them down the path to going for bad boys who continue then to treat them badly and make them feel unlovable. And at some point, they then decide that they are going to, since they don't feel they can ever get love from a man, they go after something else. And for the case of gold diggers, they go after gold. They go after gifts, you know, lavish gifts. They go after pampering, um, money, jewelry, designer duds sports cars, exotic vacations, nips and tucks, dinners at fancy restaurants, and all the other trappings of an upscale lifestyle. Now, this isn't just because um, a woman, particularly in today's times, feels less likely to be able to give these things to herself, but it has to do with daddy. It has to do with growing up feeling not just uh, necessarily even uh, literally poor, but feeling poor emotionally and spiritually, feeling a lack of love, growing up on the wrong side of the tracks of her daddy, even if it wasn't really necessarily the wrong side of the tracks from an economic viewpoint. So because she didn't get enough from daddy, she feels angry and entitled to take from a man what daddy didn't give her. And so she looks for men who can pamper her, and she then pretends to herself that this pampering, this, you know, this jewelry and all these fancy dinners and so on is just as good as, as love. Now, deep down, she knows that that's not true, but it's her way of, of, it's like a consolation prize for her. And in the meantime, just like all the other bad girls, um, this bad girl breaks hearts because she's a bigger, better deal girl when something bigger and better comes along or some new pocket to pick, <laughs> she, 
she leaves the man that she's with and um, has affairs uh, and or just simply leaves to, um, to, for her next prey. So my guest today is another one of the wonderful men who I interviewed um, for my book, Bad Girls. And um, he is Russell in the book, and his bad girl is named Heather. He's in the Gold, gold Digger chapter. And um, he uh, is an example, just as the other ones who I have had on this show, you know, you listen to them and you realize what cool guys they are, and you wonder how on earth they could have become the prey of a bad girl. So um, we're going to hear all about... Um, uh, Russell's bad girl story with Heather today, and uh, hopefully you will have a better understanding of exactly exactly what happened and how a man is successful. You know, that's the thing. Gold diggers go after a lot of gold, and so these men are successful. And um, you know, if he won, that's something that people sometimes find perplexing. How is it that a man who could be so successful in business? Or whatever he's successful in, a successful surgeon, or a, you know, uh, or some of them are trust fund babies, or a musician, or however they made their money uh, and got their success. How could a man that smart <laughs> fall for a bad girl? So we're about to hear Russell's story and how Heather managed to capture his heart. So welcome to the show. Uh, oh, and let me say, Russell is not his real name. That's the name that he's called in the book. Uh, he may or may not decide to reveal exactly his real name on the show, but um, I will tell you at the end, uh, give you a way to get access to his book because his experience with Heather was so traumatic that, in fact, um, he wrote a book about it, hoping to to warn other men. But let's start at the beginning. So, Russell, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Carroll. So tell us about your life before you met Heather. Well, I was previously married and had a son and um, was uh, ensconced in, uh, in my career or in my work. Uh, and I met her, um, she was working for me. And uh, this was the first time ever, ever that I... Uh, dated or uh, had any personal uh, contact, if you will, outside of work with a with an employee. Because you uh, knew, the, you know, the dangers of that sexual harassment, and so yes, and that that very much uh, scared me from uh, from any association. But she she came on to me. She made it very very clear to me that. Uh, she was attracted to me, that uh, she, w- she wanted to get together, and all of the other uh, signals that uh, women send to men. Well, tell us about that, because, you know, part of the book is how good girls can learn their secrets. Um, tell us about some of the things that Heather did to make you feel confident that she, that she was interested in you. Well... She made it very clear that she was uh, unattached. Uh, she made it. Uh, she asked very uh, at various times uh, what I was doing, and perhaps we could get together for a drink. So she was actually asking me out, mm-hmm. and um, I finally said, "Okay, 
I, she, and I she kind was of very felt flattering safe. too. You, you talked very about flattering, yeah. How um, how she would say you had such bright ideas and you were in such good shape for it. Now let's see, you were how many years older than yeah, she was? Yeah, eighteen. How many? Eighteen years. Uh huh. And she she flattered you by saying that she likes older men, that she you're in such good shape for an older man. She, now she was twenty. She was twenty four at the time. Twenty four, yeah. Okay. So go ahead. So I was 42. And, um, you know, we got together, and uh, uh, needless to say, there was a, a very strong attraction on my part. She was well, a very good-looking girl. Wait, just one second. That, that night that you finally decided to call her, what was going through your mind when you finally, you know, crossed that line? I, I must have picked up the phone and banged down the phone ten times before I actually made the phone call. Um, But somehow I did it. And uh, (laughs) to this day, I still don't know how I got the gumption to actually have made that phone call, but I did. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got together for a drink and talked for three hours and uh, kept on going from there. And you say that um, she was very much, she didn't give you any hints that she was a gold digger, that she seemed very much the opposite of a gold digger. Absolutely. She uh, seemed to have tremendous family values, uh, strong work ethic, uh, very uh, into uh, nature and animals. She, she wasn't like... Um, a hair and nail type of uh, female, uh, rather the opposite, almost uh, very clean, not over uh, made up, those type of qualities. Mm-hmm. So, so go that, ahead, that, so take us from yeah, that, dear. So that took me, you know, that, that kind drink. of made me feel, um, you know, comfortable in, in that respect. Uh-huh. So uh, you want me to jump to uh, when she gets pregnant? <laughs> no, well, just take us. We have a whole hour. Just take, oh, us, okay. Uh, okay. take us through the relationship. Anyways, we, we were dating, and uh, at the same time, of course, we were working in the same establishment. And, um, of course, it was very important to me that no one got wind that uh, the two of us were, were together. And... Um, that in itself was a test, the fact that uh, no one caught on, that she was very uh, uh, secretive of, uh, of our relationship. So once again, I was getting more and more confidence in, uh, in her. Yes, you thought you could trust her. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't see it coming. I didn't see the gold digger uh, component at all. And um, so... You were, uh, as you were dating, and, and you talk about, um, uh, what was it, horizontal <laughs> gymnastics or vertical gymnastics? I guess it was both. <laughs> yeah. That you. Oh, it was wonderful. It was, uh, you know, it was tremendous. The sex. So, of course, that was a real uh, attraction for me. Yes. And go ahead. And, and so you found yourself eating these. You know, taking her out for dinner after work. You worked like late hours. Yeah. Would have yeah. These, so these we would dinners. get out of work at like ten o'clock, eleven o'clock at night, 
and uh, that's when we'd go out for dinner, and we'd be up till like four in the morning, and uh, you know I'd be back at work at uh, nine thirty, ten o'clock, and um, after uh, I don't know three months of this, um, I got a heart attack, and I found myself in the, in a hospital uh, for the first time in my life, diagnosed with uh, a heart attack. And uh, it was a pretty scary place. I was 42 at the time. Anyway, she dropped everything. She quit her job, unbeknownst to me. She dropped everything and took care of me. And uh, that's when I fell in love with her. Yes, she was at your house um, taking care of all your needs. Oh, yeah, she... uh, she had the place uh, cleaned, and uh, she took out all the junk food and uh, put in all kinds of uh, healthy foods and was uh, trying to cook and, you know, making sure that uh, we went for a walk every day and uh, taking the right uh, medications and stuff. So I felt very, uh, very loved, and in, in, as a result, I fell in love with her. And... um and when was when was the first moment that you realized uh, there was something to be concerned about? Well, we uh, <laughs> she got pregnant. Yes, <laughs> one month after your heart attack, you just couldn't keep yourself away from her, could you? <laughs> no, no. Right after that, and. Uh, so I don't know, it was six or eight weeks later, she tells me that she's pregnant. And it was like, well, how's that possible? Weren't you on the pill? Which, you know, was the uh, what she was on before. And she said, no, I, uh, I know that you wanted a family, so I got off the pill. <laughs> so it was like, oh, my God, now what do you do? Mm-hmm. So here she is, she's, uh, you know, 20, 24 years old, she's, uh, she's pregnant, and uh, what do I do? And uh, I, uh, I really didn't have that many uh, uh, decisions to make. I mean, uh, in, in, a way I was, in a way, I was happy. I was yeah. happy because I did want a, a family. And we need to hold that thought and uh, leave, have a break on a cliffhanger. Uh, what do you think he did, folks? When we come back, we'll hear more about Russell's story. We're talking about gold diggers, the new epidemic. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. 
Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the Terrorism Hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking with Russell, uh, not his real name, but that's the name that he is called in my book, Bad Girls. His story is in the Gold Digger chapter, and that's what we're talking about today. Uh, Gold Diggers, the new epidemic. And when we took a break, we left at a cliffhanger. Um, when Russell just found out that his 24-year-old uh, girlfriend, gold digger to be, or, or gold digger really, um, <laughs> but who had been hiding it rather well up until then, uh, announced that she was pregnant after having given him a heart attack because of all the sex they had and keeping him up late at night and his working really hard, and that's how he became successful and somebody that would want to gold dig in the first place. Um, so there she, here she comes announcing that she is pregnant, of course, Russell, she picks a perfect time because, um, you know, because, because she knows she's been um, getting you more into her web as she's been taking such good care of you when you were recovering from your heart attack. Well, yeah, I, I felt uh, uh, very much uh, that I needed her. Yes. And I felt safe until uh, she got pregnant. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that raised a whole bunch of uh, obvious questions. So, um, you know, my next step, of course, was uh, I prepared um, uh, a cohabitation agreement. And because she had said, you know, I'm not after your money or anything. I'll sign anything you put in front of me. So <laughs> I went ahead and prepared this agreement. And lo and behold, when she did receive it, she didn't sign it, uh, stating that her lawyer wouldn't allow her to sign it and that maybe the two lawyers should talk about it. Uh, anyways, that was a real disappointment to me. I would have married her then and there, I mean, at that time, just because she was pregnant and I wanted, you know, to do the right thing for the baby and all of that and, uh, it, but I didn't do that because she wouldn't sign a cohabitation agreement. Um, anyway, so that was the was lack she, was of she uh, or her strong foundation that, that we that we started our. Uh, um, our which, did she want better terms, or it was just the pr the principal in general not to sign anything? Well, she was very vague about it. I mean, once again, she she was twenty four and. Uh, didn't really understand these things, and, uh, you know, she just said that her lawyer wouldn't allow her to sign it and that the two lawyers should talk. 
And, we, of course, what it came down to was uh, dollars and cents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so go ahead. Anyway, so uh, the baby was born, uh, a little girl, and, uh, you know, we cohabitated. Uh, she was really into animals, and we bought a farm. And I was not into animals, <laughs> but, you know, I, I went along with the whole thing. So we bought a, a 20, well, we, I bought a 22-acre <laughs> farm uh, just outside of uh, the city that I live in. And, um, you know, we cohabitated. So uh, there was more and more uh, discussion on uh, whether we should get married or not. And I said, well, listen, I can't get married without uh, some kind of a prenuptial agreement or cohabitation agreement prior. And that was the sticking point. And um, fast forward... Or uh, or well, or the slower version. Well, um, you know, the next I think significant part is when um, she told you that she needed money for hay for the horses. The, the, the time when you when they, when you noticed a discrepancy in the banking. Oh yeah, yeah. So she wasn't really, you know, she wasn't doing anything. She was just taking care of the baby. She didn't have a job or anything, and uh, which was fine. I was fine with that. But she wanted something to do, and she came up with a concept of uh, buying and selling horses. And I was all in favor of it. I thought that was great, and she was very good at it. So um, uh, the deal was that she was going to buy one horse at a time. She would uh, sell that horse, and with the proceeds, she would then buy another horse. Anyways, what happened was... She kept on building up her inventory to the point where she had 19 horses. All of this from the profits of, uh, of, of sell, you know, selling uh, one and then selling two and then onwards and uh, uh, onwards and onwards, right? So now she had 19 horses. It was winter time and uh, not a great time for them to uh, be sold. And she needed money. So I said, well, the problem is, is that you got 19 horses. You got to—that's where your money is. You got to lower your inventory. You have to sell some. So rather than doing that, <clears throat> what she did was she uh, went into my bank account, and um, I had given her the pass number just in case there was an emergency for how to get money. Uh, and I had noticed that there was all of these funds that were taken out of. Um, uh, from my bank statement. So I, I rarely checked it. Every three months I would check it. And uh, there was over $10,000 that was uh, unaccounted for. So, um, you know, I, I didn't expect her at, at the beginning. I just thought someone had stolen my mm. my card. So anyways, I called the police, and the police said, does anyone else have this number? And mm. I said, well, uh, the lady I live with uh, says, well, maybe she took it. <laughs> so I called her with the policeman right there, and I said, told her what happened, and she sounded shocked. And I said, did you take this? And she said, no. I said, oh, okay. <clears throat> so policeman turned it over to a detective, and they have ways of finding out uh, 
all of the ATM machines apparently have a mirror, and you could go to the actual machine uh, where the money was taken out of, and they can find out who took it out. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, it was her. Mm. So I was just absolutely floored when that happened. I mean, that was like sleeping with 15 men, you know, <laughs> the equivalent of it. Uh, what she lied to sleeping me, with 15 she stole men. from me. How could I possibly, um, how could I possibly trust her? Yes. So, but I had a five-year-old daughter, and uh, Dr. Carroll, you know the laws uh, just as well as I do. The chances of uh, uh, a man getting custody of, uh, of uh, well, uh, a young girl or a boy uh, is very, very remote, unless there's a real strong reason uh, why why uh, why they should have custody. Anyways, <clears throat> I realized if I was going to have a relationship with my daughter, that the mother came with it. They were uh, joined at the hip, so to speak. But um, so, anyways, I I just basically stayed in the uh, in the uh, relationship for the sake of my daughter. Yes, and she said to you, um, Heather said to you, uh, well, what did you expect me to do, let the horses starve? Yeah. As her excuse for why she did take the money once you caught her. Right, and I mean, I just reiterated, I said, you know, you had 19 horses, that all your money was tied up in inventory. You know, and the the smart thing to do, or the, uh, you know, the business thing to do was to, you know, reduce your inventory. Right. And then your hunches of um, that if she could do this, she could cheat, uh, turned out to be prophetic. So take us from here. Yeah, I, I don't know what, uh, what uh, made me do it, but I was going through some of her... Uh, well, wait, I guess, I'm sorry. I guess we should just back up a little bit. That, okay. That at some point, when you're, that around that time, when your daughter started to go to school... Um, that's when um, Heather started getting uh, even more learned in the ways of gold diggers. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a real big change in her. She, uh, we went to uh, my daughter went to a private school with some very very uh, rich uh, people, and you know who also had their children in this private school. And I think that uh, that was a real big influence on uh, on Heather. I think she learned a few tricks of the trade there, uh, but once again, I'm 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 presuming uh, at that point. But the, she changed uh, tremendously um, once once we were uh, indoctrinated into the school. Yes, you said that at that point she started learning, seeing the other women and learning about becoming more trendy, you know, a little um, less farm girl and yeah. uh, more into trendy clothes and makeup and so on. Yeah, now she started with the hair and the nails and the wardrobe, which was brand new. I mean, prior to that, she was just into horses and uh, dogs and that kind of stuff. So I saw a big change in her. Well, I think we're probably going to be coming up on a break now, so this might be a good 
uh, time to stop. And then when we come back, you can start with your um, your hunches that, um, well, first of all, her, her obsession with psychics and your hunches that led you to do some... Um, investigating when she was uh, when she wasn't home we're talking with uh, Russell um, about his gold digger living girlfriend Heather and um, you can you know this Russell is is such an example of um, the man that I spoke to and interviewed for my book that even though uh, for many of them the stories of their bad girl happened years ago um, you, you know, you can just tell that the pain is still there. The memory is still so fresh and, and all the details and all of that. So when we come back, we'll hear more. And uh, we're talking about Gold Diggers, the new epidemic. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. <laughs> the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darlings, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday afternoon at 2 Pacific, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where we're talking about gold diggers, the new epidemic. Gold digging women are, um, that's one of the 12 types of bad girls that I talk about in my book, Bad Girls, The Dozen Dangerous Damsels. We're talking with uh, Russell, not his real name, but one of the men who I interviewed in my book for the Gold Digger chapter. He has his story is amazing. It gets more amazing as we go on. So why don't you pick it up? Well, uh, also at this uh, same time as uh, she started hanging out with her new uh, her new friends, she started uh, seeing a lot of psychics, and I'm not talking about one. Psychic, uh, I'm talking like seeing psychics like once a week <laughs> and really getting into uh, this whole psychic thing. So 
she started having a lot of nights out with girls, or, or at least that's what she told me. And these were either psychic things or they were having dinner and uh, gave me a lot of time alone in the house. And I don't know, one, one evening I was... Just let me remind you of another impertinent fact. Um, uh, At this school, she met um, a man who was into racehorses, and she started doing less of the buying and selling, telling you she didn't really want to do that anymore, and instead she wanted to train racehorses during the day and go out to races at night. That was part of it, too. That was one of the fathers at the school. Yeah, one of the fathers... uh of uh, my daughter's classmates owned horse races. And uh, so Heather had decided that uh, she didn't want to buy and sell horses anymore. She wanted to learn to be uh, a horse racing trainer. And it would require two years of apprenticeship. Mm. And uh, this father was uh, kind enough to uh, allow Heather to... uh, to be an apprentice. So she was spending a lot of time early in the morning going to the track and then, of course, at nighttime going to the racetrack. And uh, as, I don't know if your listeners uh, know this or not, but horse racing people aren't uh, uh, the highest uh, <laughs> of ethical standards of people uh, in society. But uh, so anyways just continued to grow apart, starting living separate lives, spending less and less time together, definitely as a family. Uh, it was either the, ch- the, the child was with me or the child was with her, one or the other. But anyways, one evening I was going through uh, some of her stuff. I was curious. I found a whole bunch of psychic notes and started reading them. Uh, very interesting stuff, talking about uh, how many husbands she was going to have and uh, how many more children she was going to have, this type of stuff. Um, but what I also found was uh, some love letters. And uh, one of them was from uh, this horse racing uh, father who was married and who Heather seemed to be friends with, uh, with his wife. Uh, so what I had discovered was one of her uh, modus operandi was to get really close to whoever she's uh, supposedly zooming. So she was having an affair with with uh, this man, so she got really close to his wife, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, <laughs> I found out later was uh, something that she kept on doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyways, I found out about that, and I had just, uh, I went to see uh, my lawyer. And well, now, just one second. Was this before yeah. or after? I'm trying to remember. Um, because at some point, you did marry her. Well, that's just it. I mean, I went to see him, uh, my lawyer, mm-hmm. and he, exp- he, he explained to me the realities of things. And he said, look, you know, uh, uh, you're, you're not, you're not going to get custody. Uh, you know, it's, it's, are you sure this is what you want to do? So I, um, I was very worried or concerned about, uh, my daughter finding out that, uh, 
her mother and I were not married, that maybe some of the kids at school might even use the B word, if you know what I mean. Hmm. And uh, that concerned me. So I thought, and I, you know, with all of this going on, I thought somehow that if, if maybe if we were married, that that would give her the permanence and uh, uh, that would draw her back into the fold mm. uh, so that we could then become a, a family unit and she would uh, leave, uh, <laughs> she would leave uh, the psychic uh, things alone and, uh, you know, we'd be a family. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, I ended up doing that. I ended up marrying her, and um, things didn't improve. Um, you know, things just went sideways, and I kind of just dealt with things. Uh, and I, but we were only married for one year before the whole thing fell apart. And the, of course, looking back, um, you know, I mean, what about people who are thinking to themselves, well, why would he marry her um, after he found this note? And, and um, you know, when things, I mean, it seems like the least likely time to marry her. What, what's your answer? Well, I was between a rock and a hard place. And I, I was just looking for for anything that might uh, be the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there you was, still loved there, her at that point. There was no, uh, and, the, and, and this is true for, for, uh, for all people, not just me, but there was no, um, th- there was no positive answer out of all of this. It was just a matter of picking your poison. Mm-hmm. So I thought that there might be a slim chance that uh, we could solidify the family unit if uh, we got married. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And of course, this is um, you know this this is how bad girls work their magic. Whether it's it's gold diggers or it's any of the other dozen dangerous damsels, um, because there were times throughout this even after you uh, found this note and so on, when um, I'm sure she had you convinced that things could get better. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, what are some of the things that she would do that gave you hope, led you, you know, um, ensnared you even more? Well, <clears throat> just things just things like saying that she wasn't going to see psychics anymore, and um, uh, she stopped going to the uh, to the track at night, uh, spending more time with uh, with my daughter, uh, just doing things as a family. Uh huh. But those were just uh, uh, those were just cover ups for uh, for what was going on. What I had found out afterwards was that she had numerous affairs. It wasn't just with uh, that one father. But uh, there were numerous affairs, and uh, this was, of course, unbeknownst to me. I didn't, uh, I didn't have any idea that that was going on. Now, of course, part of this was because you were still running your business, right? And you were, your mind, uh, you had other things that were distracting you, like continuing to try to be successful. 
yes, trying to be successful and also trying to be trying to be a, a good dad to my daughter. I have mm-hmm. in my previous marriage, um, I had I have a son, and I hadn't seen him for seven years. So I didn't want to make the same. I didn't want to repeat the same situation again with my daughter. That was my real, my my biggest fear. And that was her hook. I mean, she knew that pretty early on, even before she got pregnant, right? Yeah. That you had yeah. uh, that. That was your big regret that your wife, your ex-wife, wouldn't let you have contact with your son. Correct. And so yeah, you know, that's... I shared that. I shared that hurt with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what bad girls do, gold diggers and the other types. They hone in on this Achilles heel, this, this area of vulnerability that men have, uh, that any one man has. It's different for each man, but there's basically uh, an area or areas of vulnerability that bad girls know how to play upon. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that was part of the getting pregnant, too, besides sort of the general, uh, that general idea um, yeah. of a way to, to try to keep a man with you or, or at least get uh, child support for 18 years. But besides yeah. that, she knew that that was your weak spot, that you would, you know, that you had said you wanted to have a family, but as you said uh, here today again, that, um, that you hadn't been thinking of having it with her necessarily. Exactly, and at that time, yeah. yes. Yes. But, you know, that was really when I was, uh, that, that's when I was, uh, I, I was played, was when she got pregnant. And, uh, you know, to any of your male listeners out there, uh, I have to uh, really point that out. After that, you know, it was just a matter of semantics, because once, once, um, when, once she got pregnant, you know, she was she was going to make or be entitled to twenty five, thirty thousand dollars a month in uh, in child support. Hmm. Yes, that is sort of an old, an old, the oldest trick in the book. Now, yes. Um, yeah. Of course, we do need to look at the the psychology behind all of this because, as it turned out, the reason why uh, she was sort of a gold digger in disguise was because um, she, her father. Her, had preferred uh, her sister. The, her sister, who was, you know, had gotten good grades in school and was going on to uh, uh, to higher education and so on, was the apple of her father's eye. And this right. was her way. Uh, she, so she didn't get enough love and attention from her father, as I was talking about at the beginning of the show. And this was her way. This pampering, this money, this these gifts, uh, this horse farm was her way to try to feel loved and um because even though you did love her actually she, because she felt unlovable from the beginning because she wasn't getting that love from her father um she was using these things these so- outward signs of love as a way of consoling herself and of proving to her father that she was lovable after all mm. ah, and we do need to take a break All right, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking with Russell about his gold digger girlfriend, ex, his gold digger, not just girlfriend, but ex-wife. And we're talking about gold diggers because it is the new epidemic. So stay tuned. Mm -hmm. 
Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman with Russell, um, talking about gold diggers, the new epidemic. And Russell is one of the men who I interviewed for my book, Bad Girls, sharing his story, you know, and I need to thank you on the air because because um, it, without people willing to share like you, um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't uh, number one, help other men um, to be uh, aware, to not be preyed upon, uh, by understanding what makes gold diggers and the other bad girls tick and um, understanding why they are vulnerable to them. Um, and I'm going to give out the website where people can, where, where women can go and, and opt in to the website uh, box and get a free, I'll send you a free bad girl test to see how much of a bad girl you are and where men can opt in to get a um, sitting duck test to see how vulnerable you are to bad girls. So, Russell, what is what is the upshot after this experience? How has this changed your life? Well, what I've done uh, for the past few years is I've uh, gotten involved with a, a couple of organizations uh, to try and educate men, specifically men, but women as well, uh, about what kind of... Um, what kind of laws are out there uh, as it pertains to marriage and cohabitation? Uh, really, the laws are so uh, skewed against 
the the large breadwinner that uh, one has to understand what they're getting into uh, when they cohabitate or when they walk down the aisle and say I do. It really it, it's a it's a tremendous undertaking uh, and and life altering uh, situation. Um, one in two marriages don't work out. I I believe that only one out of five marriages actually work. The other uh, the other forty uh, percent uh, that I'm referring to were are were marriages like mine, where we said, you know, I said I don't want to leave because I'm going to lose contact with my daughter, or I don't want to leave because uh, I'm going to have to live in a uh, a one-bedroom apartment uh, because that's all I'm going to be able to afford. Uh, there are literally men out there that I know of that are sleeping in their cars hmm. because all the, the divorce wiped them out financially and child support and alimony uh, has taken all of their paycheck and they literally are sleeping in their car. So hmm. the, this is the type of things that I'm working on now. Well, that's, um, yes, that's very important. Um, now, have you, have you gotten into any other relationships? Uh, I, I will not uh, cohabitate. Uh, I do have a, a relationship, but I, we won't live together, and, of course, we won't get married uh, that's just the way it is. I can't put myself in that kind of a, a vulnerable situation again. Um, and it has nothing to do with uh, the woman. I love her dearly. I just can't allow myself that kind of... Um, uh, risk. Yeah, that kind of a risk, that kind of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so interesting and sad because um, that a lot of the men who I interviewed um, have have either sworn off, you know, getting too involved in a relationship, or they marry women who they feel are safe, but they're, you can tell that they're not really that excited about the relationships. But you know, they they found someone who wasn't a bad girl, who they could feel safe wasn't a bad girl, wasn't going to. Um, treat them badly in any, any of the 12 different ways. Um, you know, it's, it's, the dating jungle has become much more difficult, much, more, much wilder, which is why I wrote this book in the first place, to try to help men and women um, find their way through it. You know, it's every time either a bad girl breaks a, a man's heart or, or a bad boy breaks a woman's heart, it has a ripple effect. It's not just the one heart that's broken. You know, it, it sort of ruins um, relation, subsequent relationships. It makes uh, men and women feel frightened of future relationships, makes them, you know, have uh, become defensive, become, some, become bad girls, become bad boys, and so on. It just becomes um, really more and more of a ripple effect, and we have to understand why this is and... Uh, and understand ourselves better, and be gentle to people. Not everybody is going to be your prince charming or princess, but um, when it doesn't isn't working out, there are ways of 
of uh, having things end, you know, in a in a better way, so that you're not really breaking someone's heart and ruining them for the next person. Um, yes, you know, it's it, the laws are are difficult. It, it's and and of course, ironically, um, paradoxically, that's one of the main problems <clears throat> as to why there are more bad boys and bad girls, um, because there are more divorces, and so. Let's just talk about little girls, for example. Um, little girls growing up and not seeing their daddy very much, um, make, that's one of the things that makes them feel unlovable. And the uh, same thing with little boys and their mommies, or little boys and, and, and daddies, because that was one of the key things um, where men who were sitting ducks for bad girls, um, the most common denominator besides you know, feeling somewhat emasculated, which, of course, Russell, you know, you had to have felt um, from your first marriage not ending well, uh, not being able to see your son and so on. Uh, but it's also not having a father either physically present or emotionally present. Men not being able to have a father who teaches them how to be men, teaches them which women you date, which w- women you sleep with, which women you marry, and so on. That's a big part of it. Or And not making the man feel val- valued uh, as a man, at which, you know, ruins his self-esteem. So that's, you know, it's, it's, it's really sad that these things are happening, and that's why we have to be more knowledgeable about what, how what happens to us in our childhood impacts the people we select as mates and impacts whether or not these relationships work out. So um, I'd like to thank you very much for contributing both to the show today and to the book, and there are other stories as equally uh, poignant as uh, Russell's and in the book. And I want to give out the website now um, because I, I've, I just recently made it so that um, if you opt in, you will get a free bad girl test or a free uh, sitting duck test. So that website is badgirlsbook.com, badgirls, plural, badgirlsbook.com. Do opt in. I'm, I'll be happy to send you tests, so that, uh, especially for men who have been listening, so that you can wind up not being a sitting duck. Find out what it is in your childhood and in your current life um, that makes you more vulnerable to bad girls. And women find out, you know, I'm not... <laughs> um, Russell, I'm not trying to uh, to turn. I want you to be uh, as well as you know, because <laughs> because I sent you the book. But uh, I'm not trying to sit, to turn good girls into bad girls. But I'm trying to teach them bad girl secrets that at least make them more alluring to men, so that the men can find out how good they are, can get to know them, and then find out how good they are. And um, I, I, I'm sure you're doing. You know, you've you've put this to this experience. Uh, to good use in trying to help make other men aware of some of the pitfalls and um, uh, of, of what can happen if you're not aware of, of what you're getting into. So I'd like to thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Uh, we all need the messages. We all need to go out there and love each other more. There's enough <laughs> enough problems in the world. We need to spread more love and uh and to be kinder to each other while we're doing it. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.